0: So how is everybody today on this rainy Sunday? Everybody good? And uh, I hope, that's my hope and prayer today is that, you know, it's raining outside, but God wants to rain in here. Come on, somebody. Amen. I've been praying and praying over this word we're going to continue today and hope and pray that the Lord minister to us in a real powerful way that you experience His, His presence and His peace and His power in your life. And so if you, if you were here last week, we kicked off a brand new sermon series titled, God's Plan, Live, Love, and Lead. Who was here last week? Praise God, we didn't scare you off. Y'all came back, amen. Did y'all enjoy the message last week? Amen. If you missed last week, and maybe this is your first Sunday, I'm excited, you're you're in a perfect place, because we're going to continue this message as God's going to speak to you right where you're at. Before we kick off, let's just declare this together, make this a declaration of faith today. Say this with me. God, God. I want to live. I want to love. I want to lead. Amen. If you receive it, say amen. God's plan for His children, for His people, is to live, to love, and to lead. His plan is big, it's magnificent, it's huge. There's a lot to His plan, but as we kicked this off last week, we kind of just revisited some of the fundamentals. Of who God is and what he wants to do in and through our lives. And you you gotta know that God has a plan for your life. Yeah. Who believes that? No, no matter what it looks like today, maybe you're maybe you're living for Jesus, and I hope and pray everything's going awesome. I hope and pray you're on the hilltop. But maybe you're maybe you're in a ditch today. I don't know. If you're in a ditch, if you're on the mountaintop, God still has a plan. He has a plan for you. I shared a little bit last week. Ian, before he was a pastor, he was just a lost sinner, addicted to drugs and to alcohol. And it was when I opened God's word and saw that God had a plan for me, everything changed. Everything in my life changed. I began not to just see God as some some far off being, but I began to see God as someone who wanted to be involved in my life. He wanted to be there with me and to carry me through the hard places. As we kicked this off, I I said, we've got to get away from me sharing that God has a plan for your life. I hope and pray that you've bought into that, that you believe that, but we we also have to get away from this American church idea that we've presented this this prosperity gospel, this Okay, pastor, I hear God's got a plan for me, so I'm going to sit back and wait for that plan to just happen. Did you know you can't stumble your way into God's plan? Come on, somebody. You have to be focused. You have to be diligent. You have to be on purpose to follow God, to find yourself into his plan. And his plan is magnificent. But it has to be sought out, it has to be found, as we're going to see here when we open our Bibles and read Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, our foundational scripture here in a moment. But I wanted to share a little picture for us before we dive in, as I was studying and praying this week about God's plan. I'm going to give you an example. We have Christian A. He believes that God has a plan for him. Both Christian A and Christian B, they both need a job, Right? Who needs, who needs a job to pay the bills? Some of us need one or two or three these days to pay the bills, right? They, Christian A and Christian B both need a job, and they believe that God has a plan for them, for God to find a job for them. Christian A, he believes so much that God has a plan for him that he's just going to pray for God to send him a job every day, pray and seek and ask God to send him the job for him, and then he's just going to sit on his couch and wait for that plan to happen. Is that faith? To an extent. I'm not saying God can't provide a job for Christian A. But Christian B, he believes in God's plan. And he prays and he asks God to send him a job. But guess what Christian B also does? He prays that God show him, which, which 20 applications do I need to go put in this week? And Christian B gets off the couch And he lives and he loves and he leads his life and others' lives searching for that job that God has for him. This is how we seek and become a part of God's plan. Do you see that? Somebody say amen. Amen. Before we read Jeremiah 29, 11-13, I want to hit one recap point that we, we unpackaged together last week. In case this is your first Sunday, I just want to read it together. So we said this last week. It says, God's plan is to instill hope in his children. When we activate God's hope, we live, love, and lead in a revolutionary way. Since we know an eternal hope, we are equipped to help a hurting world. So last week, we talked about God's plan. We talked about really the first thing God wants to do for a Christian to be bought in, to become part of this daily relationship with God is they have to believe that there's a hope for them. We're gonna see that hope here in a moment in God's word. But we talked about what it means to live for God and to love others for God. God wants you not to just inherit eternal life one day when you pass away. He wants you to live your life and not just He doesn't want you just to to, to get up every day and go to a job that you despise or or, or encounter people that you you can't stand. He wants you to thoroughly enjoy and live your life. When you experience God's hope, your life is transformed in a revolutionary way. You can begin to love others that are unlovable. You can wake up every day in faith and say, you know what, God, this job is hard, but but, but, but Through the Holy Spirit, help me enjoy my life today. He wants you to live in a revolutionary way. He wants us to love others in a revolutionary way. We have to love God with everything that we have, the Bible says, and love our neighbors as ourselves. What would happen if we did that? The world would shine brighter. If Christians would live the way God calls us to live. The thing is, so many Christians don't enjoy their lives, and what has happened is life has happened. <laughs> you may have two or three kids, four kids, five kids, you have a mortgage, you got car payments, you're, you're stuck in a job, you're stuck in a rut, you believe in Jesus, but somewhere along the way, you have forgotten about that hope that Jesus purchased for you. Think of day one Christianity, when you when you realized that God loved you that much, you lived your life that day when you accepted him, and now God's blessed your life, and you're miserable? It's because we've lost our hope, and God wants us to have that hope. He wants to restore your hope today. So we talked about living and loving in God's plan last week, and for today, we're going to talk about leading in a revolutionary way, and leading in God's plan for our lives today. Amen? Look at that foundational scripture today. Open your Bibles if you brought it. Who brought their Bible to church? Amen. Open to Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. I shared last week, this is one of my life verses. It's really the one of the first scriptures that ever spoke personally to me. They call that a rhema word, right? God deposited it into my heart. His his word is alive and active, it says. And sharper than any double-edged sword. And God pierced my heart because Ian was lost and hopeless. He needed this word in his life. And it's not just for me. It's it's for us. It's for everyone. So look at verse 11. It says, for I know the plans. We're talking about God's plan today, right? I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a what? Hope. Hope. There's that word, hope. Underline that word. In those days when you pray, I'll listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. What if I told you God's plan sounds good, right? He wants to give you a future and a hope. He wants your life to be filled with goodness and gladness and blessings, not disaster and depression and, and death. But, somebody say, but. Put that in the chat today if you're with us. But. His plan must be sought out. You have to find God's plan. Pastor Ian, how do I do that? Take his daily relationship. Every single day, you have to be searching, not just for God's plan, but searching God for everything that He has for you. I shared last week, it's a little bit like a game of, of hide and seek, right? We're the seekers. But well, here's the good news God is not hiding. From you he, you can find him, really easy him in the same places, every single day. Where can you find him? You can find him in His word every single morning, every single day. You pray, Holy Spirit, teach me your word. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to read today? If that's your prayer and you seek to meet with God through His word, guess what? You'll find him. Holy Spirit, share with me. Where else is God? He's in his house. Praise God, you guys are here. You're seeking God today. Give yourselves a hand. Amen. If you're seeking him diligently, you'll find him. You'll find his plan. Where else is he? He's in prayer. If you pray to meet with God, you'll find him. He's also in worship. If you can worship God with everything in you, you will find him. Amen. Look at that first new point for today. So as I said last week, we talked about living and loving. As we get started today, I just kind of wanted to start from that place of be- before you become a leader, we got to become great followers. Amen. Amen. So if I need to seek God's plan on a daily basis, the, the better seeker you are, the-, the better leader you'll be. Amen. Well, look what this says. It says, God's plan is that we would seek, find, and follow. Someone say that word with me. Follow him. Follow him. Before God calls you to lead, he calls you to follow. The best leaders are followers first. The best leaders are followers first. I have a question for you. If you yourself can't listen and obey God on a daily basis, why should others follow you? Amen. Let me say that again. If you cannot listen to God and obey God on a daily basis, why should others follow you? God does not want to turn you into a leader so that you can boss people around. God wants to turn people who are seeking God into leaders so that they will help lead others into seeking God. Being a a leader first starts with becoming a follower. Do you see that? God wants to know that he can trust you. Can you lead yourself first? Can you lead yourself faithfully daily in your quiet time, in your daily reading, in your daily worship? In those little conversations that you're having with the Lord on a daily basis, did you do the last thing God told you to do? If you say, Pastor Ian, yes, I did. Praise God. That's what I hope the answer is. All right, what's the next thing? If you say, Pastor Ian, you might be looking out of the corner of your eye. No, I didn't. I would ask you, why didn't you do the last thing God asked you? it's probably because you didn't like the answer. And so if, if, if and the point for God to use us is, is not so that we can just become leaders. God wants you to become a leader because he wants to shine through you. He wants to use your, your life, your circle of influence that you have To bring others that are lost into a place of being found with God. If He can't trust you with the last thing that He said, why can He trust you to lead others into truth? He wants us to have the faith to not just say, Yes, God, but say, Yes, God, and then begin the daily steps. Amen? So, you're in your Bibles, turn to Mark 1. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. This is right in the beginning of Mark chapter 1, right? We see Jesus getting ready to find his disciples. What is Jesus doing? He's about to build a leadership team that is going to stand the test of time. Before he builds this leadership team, you will see that they had to first respond in faith and first follow God. Look at verse 16. It says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore in the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, who is also Peter, and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water. They fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, what? Follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people.'" I want you to underline that little statement there. Fish for people. And they left their nets at once and what? Followed him. The quickest moment of obedience maybe ever seen in the Bible. Jesus says, follow, and what'd they do? They got to step in. They got to step in. They didn't argue. They didn't fuss. They didn't pray about it. They just said, Jesus, let me think about it. What'd they do? They dropped their nets and they got to step in. Verse 19, a little farther up the shore, Jesus ain't done. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once. They also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. What do we see Jesus doing? He is seeing if he can trust the leaders that he wants to use. I don't want to add to the Word of God, change the Word of God, but what if Simon and James and John and Andrew didn't follow him? Maybe Jesus finds somebody else. Who's ever read the book of 1st, 2nd Samuel? Nobody? Y'all got homework. Now the hands go up. pastor's about to issue homework, then the hands go up. Go home and read some 1st, 2nd Samuel this week. The story of King David. Who, who was the first king of the nation of Israel? His name was actually Saul. And did you know that Saul was called to be a king? but because of his disobedience... God found somebody else. Who did he find? King David. Because for King Saul, it became all about who? King Saul. With David, he's the only one described in the Bible as a man after God's own heart. It was all about God. And so as Jesus begins this amazing ministry, a ministry that's going to take place the next 3.5 years, he needs to know that he can trust a team of people that he wants to use. Because he knows he's going to go on a cross one day. And when he leaves, he needs to know that he can entrust the leaders that he's chosen that are going to continue to follow him so that others will be led to who? To Jesus. The best leaders are the best followers. Are you following God every day? Are you stepping every day? Look at John 10, 27. Look at this. Jesus says, we're talking about following. Jesus says, my sheep listen, say that word with me, listen to my voice. I know them, and they what? They follow me. Did you know hearing God and listening to God are two different things? Amen. I talk to a lot of people, and you ask them, how can you pray for them, or how can you help them? A lot of people say, I want to be able to hear from God, better. And I, that, that's a good prayer. That, that's something we should all strive, strive for. But but I often wonder, you know, you, if you try, you can hear God. And, and if you can't hear God because he's not speaking, he, he's speaking every single day. Did you know that? He's speaking every day. got to be ser- searching for him. But the reason a lot of people can't, can't, They can hear from God, but they're not listening to God because they hear what God is saying, but they are not following God because they have not heeded his word. Hearing is not heeding. Listening is heeding. What does heeding mean? To respond by faith, to to be obedient. Did you see it says, my sheep listen to my voice, Jesus said, he didn't say, my sheep hear my voice. He said, they listen, I know them, and they follow me. Any parents in the house? Anyone have kids at three or four or grandkids at three and four? Can I just pray over our parents for a moment? Lord, give us some more grace. Amen. Favor, help us love our kids the way that you love us. In Jesus' name, if you receive it, say Amen. Xander, he is is amazing. So blessed that he's one of our children. He's so smart. And I swear, every day he's learning new words and he's learning new things. And right now, we have an issue with hearing and listening. He hears great. We're working on the listening part. He'll be, we must be watching too much Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Pastor Jessica. Because he thinks our couch is like ninja heaven. He just jumps and bounces and kicks and wants to tackle his brother and hit and kick him. And it's like, no, Xander, no, Xander, no, Xander. And you, you get onto him and sometimes he listens, sometimes he doesn't. But for the most part, what he's been doing lately is he lets you get to that about the third or fourth no, right? And it's like, you're about to go in timeout or I'm about to take the toy or don't make me spank you. And then then he stops. I heard a wise pastor once say that delayed obedience is disobedience. That was supposed to be good. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. And now he's also learned something else to do. So he pushes it right up to that line to where he'll obey. And this is kind of funny, but you'll ask him, One other thing he does is he likes to play with his toys up on the entertainment center underneath the TV, and if you've come to Liberty Church, you, you know the inside joke that he actually broke two of our TVs already. So when Dad sits on the couch, and he gets, he plays so rough, he like gets into it so hard with his uh, dinosaurs and his figurines, he starts smashing them. I'm like, dude, you're about to hit the TV, I'm not buying a third TV, please stop. And He'll go to the two or three no's, two or three stops, and now he's saying this new thing. Well, just give me a minute, Dad. where did he learn that? Pastor Jessica? (laughs) Oh, she's giving me the evil eye. No, he learned that from me too, right? But he's saying, just a minute, Dad. Can I spiritualize all this? Guys, we treat God the same. You do God the same. He's telling you no, no, no. Quit doing that. Quit touching the stove eye. Quit living like that because you're going to get burned. He's not telling you no because no. He's telling you no because he's a father who has perspective of a father and he sees what you don't see. And then we even go to God, well, just, just give me a minute, God. Just give me another day. Just give me another week. Pastor Jessica said, This morning, talking about the encounter. If not now, when? If you keep on keeping on, if not now, when will you give God your yes? You want to be a leader in the kingdom of God? You want to have a ministry? You want God to use you? You got to listen. You got to follow. You got to demonstrate to Him that He can trust you. Amen. Look at that next point. How we live, love, and listen, say that word with me, listen, demonstrates how well we're following God. Our faithfulness in these key areas actually sets the bar on our leadership. Let me ask you the question, why did you decide to follow Jesus? Why do you follow Jesus? People follow Jesus because they can, they see, they sense, they know in the deepest parts of their life that they can trust him. They can trust him. When you pray to accept Jesus, you pray to accept Jesus because you said, you know what, God, I something about you is real. I, I can trust you. Why did Simon and Andrew and James and John follow Jesus? I believe because on the inside, they knew, they saw, they can trust this guy who is the Messiah. So it's the same for us to leading others. People have to know that they can trust you. How do I demonstrate to God that he can trust me and how do I demonstrate to others that they can trust me? How do you live your life? How you live, how you love, how you lead, and I added an extra L to our alliteration today, another L word, how we listen as we've just seen Jesus preach and teach, that shows us how well we're following God. Pastor Ian, I don't know if I'm really following God. How, how are you loving people? How, how's your life? The things that no one else can see about your life. Are you following God in those areas? Right? Because our faithfulness in these key areas, it sets the bar on our leadership. You can't outgrow where you currently are until you're faithful in where God has you. This is how you grow. Do you see this? As I'm faithful in where I am, God begins to grow me and mature me. I'm faithful with what I have. I'm faithful in the little. And then he adds on to us. I remember when I was just a single guy, I just graduated the Sunshine House. And when I got out of the Sunshine House, this was my second men's live-in program that I had been in. I had also been in Teen Challenge for a whole other year of my life. But I said to myself, I'm not going to Learn, I learned that lesson the hard way. I'm not going to... This time, I got a second chance. When I graduate this program, I'm going to, on purpose, live my life outside of the program, and I'm going to follow God. I'm going to be faithful in my life for however long God says. Because when I graduated Teen Challenge, I hopped right into a relationship with a woman. It didn't end well. I went back into my addiction. About killed me. And so... I told God, I said, "This is my prayer. I, I, I'm go- I'm going to live for you. I got to prove to myself that you know what I can be the man of myself. I got to prove to myself, God, that I can lead myself. That I felt that God called me to be a leader. I felt like God wanted to do big things through me. I wanted to prove to God that I can lead myself first. Can I pay the bills? Can I not drink? Can I continue to to maintain a job and do all the grown up things?" And as I did that, was faithful in where I was, God began to raise the bar of my leadership. Eventually I ended up meeting my wife. Ever since we met, we've basically been ministering, right, babe? We've been part of every single ministry that Liberty Church has to offer. We've been in discipleship, we've been in kids, we ran youth for a little bit. Long before we were campus pastors. Why did we do all those things? Pastor Keith's a pretty wise man. He wanted to make sure that we could do all those things faithfully in a trustworthy manner. As we, as we tackle one, one ministry at a time, God began, we're faithful. God, what did he do? He raised the bar of our leadership. I can trust them with more. So if you have big aspirations and big goals for the kingdom and for your life and god size dream and vision for your life, are you remaining faithful in where you currently are? Look at Luke 16.10. Reference this just a, minute, a moment ago. It says, if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you'll be, excuse me. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. We have got to be faithful in the little, right? Even being faithful in those things that nobody else sees in our lives. Guess who sees them? God sees you. He sees those little decisions in your life. Heard a wise pastor once say, wisdom is knowing what to do, but integrity is actually doing it. You hear from God. Listen to God. Just knowing the right thing to do don't make you the smartest, but actually doing the right thing is the faithful thing. Do you see that? Faithfulness is integrity of following God no matter what He says, Even when my flesh wants to cry out. That means it's going to be the hard way, God. If God said it, we got to do it. Look at the next point. So, I want to just lay that little groundwork of before God calls us to lead, he calls us to be good followers. Upon being, proven ourselves faithful, God begins to enlarge our lives and enlarge our, our circle of influence. And when he does that, God calls us to then lead courageously. Say that word with me. Courageously. No matter your situation, God wants to use your influence to help others out of the darkness and into his promises. Remember that God is with you. I said, no matter your circumstance, no matter your situation. Maybe you say, Pastor Ian, I'm 60, I'm 70 years old, I'm at the tail end of my life, I don't have... I don't have anybody in my life that God wants me to lead. Yes, yes, he does. And we're going to talk about that here in a moment. It's not the size of the, the group of people that you're leading it, that, that matters. It's, it's the value of following God, listening to God, and knowing, you know what, it, it doesn't matter if I'm leading one person or 100 people, God wants to use me. He wants to use the influence that he gave me, and he wants me to lead courageously. He doesn't want me to lead the way the world leads can I tell you one thing about the greatest leaders they know that they have to lead courageously they know that subconsciously but what a lot of good leaders don't talk about is and they understand this too is they have to lead confidently can I share a little something with you As your pastor, as a leader, I always don't feel so confident. Leading people is one of the hardest things God calls us to do. Let me backtrack for a moment. As the leader, even when you don't feel confident, guess what you have to exude? Come on, somebody. Confidence. That's part of the role and responsibility of a leader. But the Lord connected the dots for me this week. Guess how do I get to confidence when I don't feel confident? That's when I need to activate being courageous. The best leaders understand that gotta be courageous and confident. Most of the time, I'm confident, but not all the time. When I lack the confidence, I'm not, I'm not doubting God's call over my life. But I'm saying, God, I I, I just don't feel as confident today. That's when I have to activate His courage. And when I move and operate and live and lead and love in His courage faithfully, His confidence begins to drip. Because I'm saying, you know what, I, I, I get up and I keep putting on the bootstraps. Right? I, I get up, I keep saying, yes, God, this looks hard. I don't know how we're going to get there, but you said it. I'm not as confident, God, but you said it. So as I continue to live and operate in that, and we be, you begin to get successful results back, not saying you're going to have hiccups, things happen, but you keep moving on, you keep trucking on, and God's confidence begins to build in your life? You know what? I think that's even an honest question that a leader should ask himself. God, am I called to this? I ask God that often. God, am I still the pastor that you've called to, to Holly Pond? Not because I, I doubt the call of God in my life, but I want to make sure, God, am I being faithful in the calling. Am I being a David or have I turned into a Saul? Because I got to lead courageously no matter what it looks like. If I feel confident, if I don't feel confident, if God said it, I need to be confident, courageous in it. If I have questions, if I have doubts, I got to be confident, I got to be courageous. And it's really our response and the doubt that determines what kind of leader I am. Because when others see you leading courageously and confidently, what does it do to them? It spills over onto them. And they say, well, he's doing this. She's doing this. I can do this. And you create a comfort place. You create peace and power and provision in the people that you are leading. And it creates a level of influence where people will begin to follow you. I'm going to give you a few verses out of Joshua 1. Let me preface this before we read them. And Right in the beginning of Joshua, we see the end of Moses' reign. What has Moses been doing for over 40 years? Leading. Say that word with me. Leading. He's been leading the nation of Israel. He led them out of bondage. They wandered in the desert. For four years, because of their disobedience. But Moses has just died. Guess who's probably not feeling all that confident? Now, I'm not gonna speak for Joshua, but the Holy Spirit kinda showed me the Lord tells him to be strong, courageous, not strong and confident, because guess who needed some courage? Joshua. Sometimes you inherit. A kingdom that God calls you to lead. And when you have an inheritance of leadership, that means you have shoes to fill. And I can relate to Joshua a little bit. I remember right when God called us to to pastor. And, you know, I love Pastor Keith. He's our father-in-law, the greatest, father-in-law, the greatest pastor, greatest grandpa. But, you know, I had this sense of, man, I got these big shoes I gotta fill. And how am I gonna do it like he does it? And people even do this without even knowing they're doing it. They don't mean it mean, but they'll they'll say, well, you're doing this. Pastor Keith's doing this. and That's all fine and dandy. But early on, guess what Pastor Ian had to learn? I I can't lead Liberty Church, Holly Pond, acting like I'm Pastor Keith. Guess what Joshua had to find out? He, He couldn't lead the nation of Israel acting like he was Moses. He had to be the best Joshua. Pastor Keith's awesome. There's only one. Guess what? There's only one Pastor Ian, also. Amen. So you need me as, as your flock to step into. And I believe the Lord, early on, He began to show me that. I graduated, had to battle through that and get through that. And God began to, to use that to, to helping me find my own shoes and find my own rhythm of leading and pastoring. And so, but I share all that to say that this is where Joshua is. He's having to learn how to lead a, an already established people. And look what God tells them to do. It says, be strong. Look at verse 6. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead. There's that word. Lead these people. To possess all the land I swore to the ancestors, I would give them. We can be strong and courageous. Why, Pastor Ian? Because God said so. God saw that Joshua needed to be strong, to be courageous. And he's saying, you're the man to lead them now. You're the one that's going to lead them into the promised land. You're, you're the one that's going to lead them into the promise. Why can we be strong and courageous? Because God said it. He promised it. If he promised it, we can buy into it. Amen? Skip down to verse 9. God almost repeats himself a little bit. He says, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Then he adds, do not be afraid or discouraged for the what? Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. Remember that God is with you wherever you go. Whether you're leading one person or a hundred people, if you're the boss at your job, if you're leading the ministry... And it gets hard and it gets tough and you begin to question, you begin to doubt. Maybe you feel like I felt you're trying to trying to fill some shoes of, of a legacy that's already been laid and you don't understand how God can use you. Be strong and courageous and fear not because God is with you. God is with you, amen. We got next point. So I've kind of hinted around this a little bit today. Talk about the size of our groups that we may be leading in life. So whether you're currently leading one person or a hundred people, God calls us to see the value of a single soul. It's not the size of your herds, but the size of your heart that determines what kind of leader you are. Say this with me. It's not the size of my herds, it's the size of my heart. And write that down, that's for free today. It's not the size of your circle of people that you're leading, the herds, so to speak, in your life that determines if you're a good leader or not. It's how you lead the people that you're leading that determines whether you're a good leader or not. Now, number is an indicator. If you're leading 100 people, probably because you're doing some things right but you can do lead people and, and live a certain way uh, the world will give you a manual on growing your churches and growing groups and we better be careful church that we want to grow God's church and and, and, and large our influence God's way Amen. come on somebody So numbers are an indicator that I may be doing some things right or some things wrong. I don't want to just do right by the world or wrong by the world. I want to do what God says. And so if God has given me one, two, three, five, maybe ten, or if he has given me a hundred, then I want to be faithful in what he's given me and leading and loving and living for these people that God's called me to lead. And as as I said, no matter your situation, if you're a young guy, a young girl, if you're, if you're an older guy, older woman, there's still somebody that God wants you to use. Because guess what? You have a testimony. You have a life. You've been through some stuff. Who's been through some stuff? Guess who might need to hear the stuff you've been through? That person, those people. And if you can find a way to share your story and your testimony to instill hope and instill faith in others, God wants to use it to grow his kingdom, right? A true leader understands the value of of one, even if it is one. And I want to give you a scripture, Matthew 18, 12 through 14. Before I read it here a moment, the Lord kind of flipped their scripture for my life, in my life this week, this is a pretty famous scripture where Jesus says he leaves the 99 for the one, and I always just kind of connected to that one because I was that one. But The Lord kind of flipped the scripture as more of a leadership scripture in my life this week, so let's read it together, and then I just want to elaborate a little bit of what he shared with me. But look what it says. Look at verse 12. It says, What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away? Will he not leave the 99 for the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about the one sheep that he has found over the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any one of these little ones should perish. This parable, the farmer, has a hundred sheep. That's a lot of sheep. Some of us maybe have more people in our lives that God wants us to lead than others. That's okay. As I said, I always connected to the scripture as that lost sheep because I was once lost, but God now found me. Anybody else been lost? Anybody else that won sheep? God bless you. You understand the, the value of what God did for you. And, and the whole point behind the scriptures, God wants you to know that the value of, of one. We're talking about leading a hundred or leading one. How do you get to a hundred? One at a time. One at a time. Can y'all bear with me for a moment? Maybe you're leading a ministry, you're leading people, and you know how many people you need to get the job done. You're like, I need at least five people. I need at least ten people. If we circumvent the fact of where we currently are, and we're not loving the people that we currently have, or loving the people that God does send to us, we'll never make it. You grow your herds one soul at a time. You build your teams one person at a time. What does that mean? That takes real genuine care. You have to invest in people one person at a time. As I was praying and asking God about this message in the scripture this week, I was kind of alarmed because I never would have read the scripture, or thought of the scripture this way. But this man has accumulated wealth. He has a hundred sheep. He leaves ninety-nine for the one, and I feel like the Lord showed me there's a lot of people in this day and age. If they had a hundred of, no matter what it is, a hundred dollars, you have a hundred. Fill in the blank. Out of laziness a lot of people would just say, eh, it's just one. I got 99. Why? Because they're living in the delusion of a blessed life. And we have had a lot of people come in and through this church and even leave this church. And there have been moments when Pastor Jessica and myself have dropped the ball when a sheep wanders off. But there's also been moments where we have texted folks every week for three months, and they leave you on red. Anybody ever been left on red, iPhone? I say that to say sometimes you're going to go out there. It breaks your heart that they left you. You're going to go out there, and at the end of the day, they still might not come back. But did you did you go out there looking for them? I hope that's what we do. I hope that's what you do. But if you don't, there's something wrong with our hearts. Maybe that sheep, just just saying this for kicks and giggles, I guess. What if that sheep was his very first sheep? Would he have been attached and bonded to that sheep? That's not just any old number. That's not just any old sheep. That's his first sheep. We have to see people. When you build your teams by investing in one soul at a time, you will make a connection to people. And if they leave God's church or God's plan, it'll grieve your heart because why? You know them. And you will stop at nothing to find them and bring them back. Amen? We got last point for today. So, if God found you, help him find others. Who's been found by God? I asked you, I'm going ask you again. Keep them up, keep them raised up. Can you partner with God and help him find others? The way we live, love, and lead, and I'm going to add the other L word, listen today, could be the determining factor on whether or not someone stays lost or someone is found. As you just raised your hands, God found you. God found you for a reason. I often think, what if God never found me? How different so many other people's lives would look. Not to say, hey, Pastor Ian is making such an impact in everyone else's life. But if God didn't find me, he'd find somebody else. But how many different people's lives would be touched in a totally different way? God found you for a reason because he wants to use your life to touch others' lives. And he wants to use you to help find others. Others that are hurting. Others that are lost. Others that are hopeless. Because you've been hopeless and now you know an eternal hope you're equipped to help a hurting world. Amen? The Great Commission scripture. Look at Matthew 28, 8 and 20. This reference says, The Great Commission. After Jesus built his leadership team, he knew one day he'd have to leave them, and look look what he left them with. This is what he told them before he leaves and goes to the cross. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Y'all see a theme? Joshua 1. God says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear. Do not be afraid, for I'm with you. In Matthew 28, we see God says, I want you to lead people. I want you to find people. All people, all nations all over the world. Lead them, baptize them, disciple them. And no matter what it looks like, fear not, because surely I'm with you until the end of the age. If God be for us, he be against us. Amen. If God himself is with you, you can do it. What's God's plan? He wants to live a fruitful life. He wants us to love others like we love God and love ourselves. And he wants us to lead others courageously with zeal and passion. Not worried about the size of our herds but the condition of our hearts. And if we can live like that, God's plan can be manifested. How'd Jesus say to pray? Your kingdom come on earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Y'all join me in prayer as we close. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for this word. Thank you for all those that are here today. I pray that something I said, something that you said through me today, Lord, would stick to us. Something real, something of substance that would show us that you have a plan. You want to use us in a real mighty way to grow your kingdom and to help those that maybe need hope. Amen. If you're here today in our sanctuary, and you're in this day relationship with God, you've, you've prayed to accept Jesus, and you're in this daily walk with Him, I want you right now to pray for the lost, please. Take a moment and pray for the lost world. Maybe you know somebody. Pray for them. But on the flip side of that coin, if you're here in the sanctuary, maybe you're joining us online today, you say, Pastor Ian, Jesus Christ is not my, my Lord. He's, he's not my personal Savior. He talked about following him today and I'm, I'm not doing that but something you said today is stirring me up it's stirring my heart up I, I want to change my life I got good news for you God don't want to just change your life he wants to transform it and if that's your heart's cry today you want to pray to accept Jesus Christ I want to ask you to do something for me if you're here in the sanctuary I want you right now you can do two things you can just stand straight up stand up out of your seat or raise your hand up real high one of the two Give you a few moments to do that. If you're joining us online today, put something in the chat to let us know you're praying this prayer with us. Praying to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Give you a few moments. Be the best best moment of your life. If Jesus is dealing with your heart, show him you don't just hear the message, but you're going to listen to the message. If he's dealing with your heart, that you're going to follow him. A moment cemented in time. Amen. 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 I want to lead us all in a prayer. I want you guys to repeat after me loud and proud today. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We accept your Son, Jesus. We believe that He is the Savior of the world. I now confess that He is the Lord of my life. Forgive me my sins, forgive me my past, send your Holy Spirit to redeem my future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise God. Sorry I went a little long on you guys today. It's raining outside anyway. You can't go anywhere. <laughs> Amen. Uh, anybody glad you came to church today? Amen. We're glad you came too. Okay. You guys are officially dismissed. If you said that prayer for the first time today, come tell somebody, tell me, tell an usher. We love to partner with you and helping you find your next steps. Amen. We love you. We thank you. See you next Sunday.